This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome back. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Jay White in for Liz Gill this morning, joined by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And this morning, we're also joined by Ronald Reichalk to talk about the future of sports gaming in Mississippi. If you have a question about that or uh, any legal topics, we'd love you to, to talk about sports gaming with us today if you have any questions. But any of your legal questions, uh, we will uh, at least take a listen to it. Uh, 877-MPB-RING is the number. one 877 672-7464. And as always, you can send us an email. The address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. That's legalterms at mpbonline.org. Professor Gershon, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Jay. It's uh, great to have you join us this morning. And what a, what a fantastic guest we have today. Uh, Professor Ron Rieschlock is uh, not only the Witten Chair in Law and Government uh, here at uh, Ole Miss Law, but he has written books on many subjects, including evidence. Um, he is an advisor to the Holy See uh, and has written uh, several books on uh, his work uh, in, in the Pope and, and the Pope's role during World War II. He's been on 2020. He's made appearances on National Geographic TV. But, he, but today, uh, importantly, he uh, serves on, uh, on the uh, editorial board of the Gaming Law Review and has written books on gaming law. And he is also on the executive board of the Southeastern Conference. So uh, he knows about as much about gaming law and the SEC and about uh, (laughs) sports betting as anyone. Well, that's very interesting. And say his name again, because I, 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 I asked one person, and they told me one thing, and I think I said it wrong. It's Ron Rieschlock. Rieschlock. Okay. So, that- yeah, I totally uh, blew it to smithereens. So my apologies, uh, Ronald Rieschlock. I've worked with Ron for several years, and I'm still not sure I got it completely right. But, uh, you know, he, he, he's too nice to say anything about it anyway. Well, we appreciate uh, uh, Ronald coming on this morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well and delighted to be here. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about uh, your background. I know uh, Professor gave us a, a little bit of, you know, what all you've done and accomplished. Tell us a little bit about where you're from and uh, how you got to where you are today. Well, I, uh, I've been on the faculty here at uh, the university since 1987. Prior to that, I practiced law in Chicago uh, with a big law firm, Jenner & Block. One of our clients there was Bally's, the company that makes pinball machines. Wow. And and, and, and it's interesting because in the mid-1980s, uh, one of the assignments that fell to my desk was to uh, deal with the Illinois lottery. The lottery wanted to bring forth some, some uh, video-type games for a video lottery. They didn't want anything that would compete with pinball because 
uh, the, the Bally's was making the machines for the, the lottery. So it, I was trying to figure out how to write a law that would <laughs> make some games illegal but not touch other kinds of games and allow the lottery to, to operate. Uh, and shortly after that is when I got hired here at Ole Miss. And you get into academia, and it's publish or perish. And I said, well, I know about gambling. Uh, I know some things that a lot of people don't know about. So I started writing about gambling and, and, and such topics before gambling came to Mississippi. So when, of course, when gambling exploded here in the state, uh, I felt like I had a proprietary interest. So I've taught a course in gambling law for probably 20 years now. That's very interesting. So, okay, we've got uh, SEC football, Chicago, the Pope, uh, Ole Miss pinball machines. You are maybe the most rounded guest that this show has ever had. So we, uh, uh, we're really going to appreciate the expertise that you have today. So you mentioned you've been at Ole Miss since 1987 uh, and, and had a propri- proprietary uh, knowledge of, of gaming when it became legal in Mississippi. With regard to sports gaming, when when gaming in general became legal in Mississippi, what was your thought about the eventuality of sports gaming being a thing in Mississippi? Well, I've known for a long time that the the powers that be uh, in the state were interested in sports gambling, but we've had a, a federal law on the books since 1992 that really prohibited uh, other states from jumping into that. 1992, Congress uh, got together and, and developed the uh, Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act that essentially said, we're not going to have any sports gambling anywhere in America unless you already have it. The only place that already had it fully developed in its full form anyway was Nevada. So for, you know, the last, I don't know how long they've had it, but for the last many, many, many years, the only place you really could legally bet on a game uh, was in Nevada. And of course, there's illegal betting going on all over the place. (laughs) Uh, There's all kinds of estimates about that. But um, States like Mississippi, when our casinos developed in the early 1990s, were effectively precluded from adding that as a uh, an option uh, by this federal law. Well, the federal law was declared unconstitutional just a, a month or so ago, a month or two ago. Uh, so now states are able to offer sports betting, and they're lining up. A lot of them are. Mississippi certainly is one uh, where I think we will see Mississippi casinos probably before the fall or by by fall anyway, uh, offering uh, sports betting. So you mentioned that there is a there's a ton of, I guess, technically illegal gambling going on, you know, kind of under the table. There's uh, offshore gambling everywhere. Let me ask you, because I I do work in sports radio and have for 15 years here in Mississippi and nearly for my entire tenure in, in that industry, there have been. There have been advertisements for offshore gaming sites, and I've always wondered about you know how they can go about doing that when it is it is very clear and widely known that gambling is illegal uh, outside of or sports gambling I should say is illegal outside of as you stated the state of Nevada. How can offshore sites get away with doing that? Uh, because they're outside the jurisdiction where it can be enforced. 
Uh, in terms of the ads, often if you listen to the ads, they offer free play uh, because because if you're flat out av- uh, advertising something that's illegal, uh, the the radio station might get in trouble. Uh, so usually the ads are very tightly worded to avoid expressly offering illegal gambling. However, the, these offshore locations, and by the way, some of them are legal in the nation where they're located. Some of the island nations down uh, in, in um, the Caribbean and such uh, have authorized uh, casinos and off- authorized online casinos, and so you're betting there. It's legal there. Uh, there are issues about getting transference of money and all kinds of stuff. And <laughs> technically, yeah, the United States isn't really going to go after individual betters. They go after the operators. These operators are outside the jurisdiction. Very interesting. Uh, so uh, let me ask you, Mississippi. It seems uh, is has been well prepared for the eventuality of this how and and when do you think they started going about being prepared and and preparing themselves for uh, the possibility that this would be a thing well len blackman used to be the chair of the uh, mississippi gaming commission this is at least 10 maybe 15 years ago uh, and and often folks from there would come up and talk to my class. And he came up and he was a, a great guy talking to my class. And I think it's my class. He said, you know, we're poised. If we were able to do it under federal law, we'd be ready uh, and, and interested in doing it. Um, the uh, you know, I think a lot of people who uh, might not want to sit down at, at a blackjack table for several hours might, on the other hand, enjoy putting twenty dollars on, on a game on a given Sunday or, or whatever. Uh, so I think they've seen that as a market that could be tapped into. Uh, they've been prepared. The legislation really has gone through uh, in Mississippi and simply been waiting for the clearance of the uh, uh, the, the Supreme Court ruling, that, which just came down, uh, 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 invalidating PAPSA. So I think now you're putting some uh, regulatory pieces in place, and, and they're pretty much ready to go. So I, I've, I've seen a couple of takes, maybe some articles uh, in newspapers in Mississippi that allude to the fact that uh, the legislature was was almost like duped into cutting out a certain part of a law here in Mississippi that has allowed this to move forward and has put Mississippi in a position to move quickly on this. Do you know about that? And can you elaborate on that? And, you know, maybe not specifically what you're talking about. I know a few things. Uh, along those lines, I think I think the legislature largely knew what they were doing. Uh, I think there may be some folks who didn't pay pay close attention because being aware that it would be in violation of federal law, they maybe didn't. You know, the the forces didn't mount up. The the the, the, the uh, opposition didn't really gather to fight it. Um, so so maybe we didn't have the political battle there. We also know that. Um, the will to a certain extent was the, the will to fight was broken down a little bit with uh, daily fantasy gambling, which the legislature made legal a couple years ago. By all definitions in traditional gambling, it was an Ill- illegal form of gambling. Uh, however, FanDuel and DraftKings, the, the two uh, outfits that really sponsor uh, uh, that kind of gambling, uh, lobbied states across the nation. They were pulling in tons of money. Uh, they lobbied the states, uh, and legislatures across the nation began changing their law to make that legal. Well, once you're betting and once you're used to betting regularly on, on daily fantasy, it isn't much of a stretch at all to, to start betting actually on games. Well, you know, what's the difference? 
Let me ask you, you mentioned daily fantasy sports, and I know, um, uh, full disclosure, I've I've participated in, in a good bit of that. Um, I've tried a bunch of different of the, the sites. Uh, I'm not good at it, so I can't participate much. But uh, the, the idea, I think some people have argued that the daily fantasy sports is more skill than chance, and that makes it not, you know, quote unquote, gambling per se. I mean, do do you have an opinion on that, or, or is there a, is there a specific distinction on that? Well, yeah, the the traditional legal definition of gambling is consideration. That's the money you put in for an outcome determined by chance, then that's really what you're talking about, chance versus skill, uh, with a reward at the end, the, the prize you're hoping to win. So in many states, in many areas, the the uh, distinction whether something's gambling or not hinges upon whether it's a game of chance or a game of skill. So there are states where poker is legal because it's a game of, of skill. There are other states, however, and Tennessee and Arkansas are, are two pretty clear examples where it doesn't matter whether whether it's uh, skill or chance. It's just an, an uncertain outcome. And as long as it's an uncertain outcome, it's gambling. Uh, in Mississippi, huh. we have traditionally avoided the skill-chance distinction uh, by having de minimis gambling uh, just being overlooked, that we we don't bother if it's if it's small amounts, uh, but but I mean it is true that when you when you can if you can categorize something as skill, it's much more likely to be deemed uh, legal rather than gambling. Well, Ron, you mentioned uh, de minimis. So if if I if you and I had a poker game at my house, and there was some money, you know, we may be you know twenty dollars. Somebody would be out in the night. Would that be uh, okay? I'm not, I'm not going to encourage people to gamble or to risk breaking the law, so I, I won't say it's okay. I will say that I think the odds of being prosecuted are extraordinarily low. Uh, I, I, I actually, here in Oxford, uh, many years ago, played poker with Justice Scalia one night so and a group of other professors. So, wow. yeah. so I know it can be done. Uh, you never know. That could have been a sting. You never know. Yeah. All right, we're going to take our first break of the hour here. We're talking about sports gaming, uh, gambling on sports in Mississippi. Mississippi, and the number to call is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can also send us an email. It's legal terms at mpbonline.org. That's legal terms at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back. This is in legal terms on MPB Think Radio. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. 
I'm Jay White and for Liz Gill this morning. And as always, we have Professor, Professor Richard Gershon. That is difficult for me to say for some reason. A lot of uh, aggressive consonants there. Uh, uh, with the University of Mississippi School of Law and this morning, we have uh, Ronald Rieschlack. I think I said it right that time. Pretty close. Rich Rich Lock, but uh, that's what Richards called me forever. So, all right, (laughs) it's my fault. Yeah, (laughs) I'm writing this down again, and I'm scratching out effort number two. By the maybe by the end of the show, I could get it right once, but I wouldn't bet on it. The number to call is one eight seven nothing. Nobody. Any. No, eight, I heard it. Eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four is the number to call. We're talking about sports gaming in Mississippi and the future of sports gambling uh, here in the Magnolia State. Eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email us legal terms at mpbonline.org. We're about to go to Mike and Waveland here in just a moment. Uh, but uh, let me ask uh, uh, both of you guys this. Uh, there are several kind of hot spots in Mississippi uh, for casinos. Uh, where do you think this may be available first or, or take off the most, possibly? Well, if I, I guess I suppose if I were to guess, I would say that uh, the location in Tunica will uh, it, it, up in that area. I'm not going to name a specific casino, sure, but sure. that's going to draw. That's going to have the uh, the population from Memphis because this will be the kind of thing that people may want to make fairly regular uh, bets and, and quick runs to the casino, and it's going to be probably easier to have a large population making its way from Memphis than uh, to places on the coast. Very interesting. I know you have um, the, the biggest population base in the state, central Mississippi, the, the Metro Jackson area. You have uh, uh, the, the Choctaw County casinos to the east. You have the Vicksburg and Warren County casinos to the west. Um, uh, will there be a race to see who can get these things up first? Or or am I, am I overestimating the importance of this um, in terms of how much extra interest or business or money that this is going to generate? Well, you know, that's the great question, and that's the question that no one knows with certainty. Because, you know, let's face it, what, what, we're, what we're assuming is that there's a lot of money being illegally wagered right now, and that's going to all migrate to legal betting. And I'm not sure that's the case. I mean, you're, you're, you're going to migrate to a system where they're, they're going to scrape 10% off the top, uh, where you're going to have to drive to a location to get there to place your bet. Uh, you may have a bookie in town. You may just have buddies you bet with uh, where they're not taking the 10% and it's more convenient to make the bets. I'm not sure what the level of migration will be. Now, I do think that uh, larger casinos are going to put together some very nice sports book areas. So if you're a sports fanatic and you want to go somewhere where, you know, if you've been in the places in Vegas and they're just walls and walls of television sets and you've got every conceivable (laughs) game going, uh, I I think you're going to see some weekend trips planned around things like that. Um, But... Well, you know, that was my first thought is that, you know, let's say a casino on the Gulf Coast, for example. I mean, you got beaches. It's, you know, it's kind of a a, a vacation-ish, resort-ish town to begin with. Now, and, and I think this is part of what really is important about Mississippi getting out in front of this first um, that I mean, you talked about SEC football on Saturdays, uh, you know, weekends during the fall and the winter. 
the the opportunity to you know, put together a package for somebody to come vacation on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, whether it be from, you know, Baton Rouge or Tuscaloosa or, you know, the you know Arkansas, Auburn area, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee. This is an opportunity where people can come have a weekend in a sports book, watch their favorite SEC team play, maybe if they're on the road and they're not driving to the stadium or something like that, uh, and, and try this out at least for once. It seems like it could be a tremendous opportunity. It, it, it may be. I mean, you know, I mean, that does sound very interesting. And I know that Las Vegas is concerned because people used to take and still do, I mean, take trips like that uh, to Vegas for a weekend. Uh, will the ability to to do it much more affordably, to be able to drive, to be closer, to be an area where, frankly, you're going to run into more SEC fans, more people you might want to interact with uh, that way. You know, will that detract and cut into the business of folks flying out to Las Vegas? I think that's entirely possible. Yeah, and it, it, that doesn't even begin. I mean, that's just SEC Saturdays. We're not even talking about the the craziness that is March Madness, the the NCAA basketball tournament, uh, the 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 vicinity of a large volume of Saints fans on NFL Sundays, and of course you have the Grizzlies in Memphis with Tunica right down the road. Um, uh, it's pretty interesting to think about uh, what what the the casinos could capitalize on should they choose to do that. All right, we got some callers, Van and Sue. Hang on just a second, but we're going to start with Mike in Waveland. Mike, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Oh, doing well. Thank you for calling. Okay. Um, this is off the beaten path, but my concern is when are we going to get the lottery and is the casinos responsible for preventing the lottery from coming to Mississippi? There's a lot of people out there that are tired of driving to Louisiana for the lottery. Well, uh, Mike, that's that's a great question. I don't think that uh, this is necessarily going to impact. There was discussion about a lottery. You know, there's been some movement this year, but it doesn't look like it's going to go through. Um, I think there's not a. Uh, I, I think you, you you may have a point in that casinos would just as soon not have the lottery or have have lottery only if we can sell the tickets. I've, I've seen that <laughs> proposal floated, uh, which w- would never happen. But there there hasn't been a political force behind pushing for the lottery. Um, the way there is, frankly, for sports betting. Sports betting, the casinos are all about it. Uh, they see revenue there. There isn't the same kind of force. There hasn't been in Mississippi uh, for a lottery. Yeah, because Louisiana has it all. I mean, you know, they got the casinos and the lottery, and they seem to be striving pretty good with it. Um, but who do you write to to try to get something like this started as far well, I- as getting it to the voting table, if possible. Well, I, I would talk to my my uh, state senators, uh, state representatives. It's a state issue, you know, not your congressman, not your senator, but but your state representatives. And uh, if you you want to see that done, you know, let them know, and and uh, and 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 that's really where it, where it has to start. 
And I've lived in Georgia and Florida who both have the lottery and use the lottery money to fund education. And it has been a boon. I mean, there are people, the University of Georgia really uh, became a much better institution because of the lottery money that was poured into not the, the school itself, but the students who went there. And a lot of people, really good students, are allowed to go to the University of Georgia at little or no cost because of lottery money. So it does, I mean, it can do a lot of good. Well, yeah, but, and I, I will bring up the other side. I'll just say this, because I'm, I'm not a huge supporter of the lottery. Uh, I know in some states, California, for instance, the spending per student went down after the lottery because it's a matter of reallocation and, and how you spend the money. Are you spending it wisely? Are you doing it appropriately? And there is an issue when the house becomes the uh, gambling promoter. Uh, right now, if you have a dispute with the casino, the, the state is the regulatory body. Uh, it, when you have a, a lottery, you end up hiring people and saying your job is to go convince people to buy lottery tickets. And I look at the ads from some states um, that that pitch it as a civic duty to to buy lottery tickets. And I think, you know, we don't hire people to promote smoking or drinking or other potential bad habits. Uh, and I'm... I'm and obviously, I'm losing that debate because almost every other state has a lottery. But it does it does concern me. Well, I just think when people pay their taxes, which is really what a lottery is, honestly, for most people, most people lose, and it really becomes a tax. Why not? When you pay your taxes, you have a chance if you if your return is completely correct to get some money back. They pull a random return. That would almost be the same thing. It really would. And people would not object to paying taxes as much because it's really the same idea. Mike, thank you so much for uh, your call from Waveland this morning and getting us uh, started from the Mississippi Gulf Coast. so, Ronald, you, you, you said you don't think that it necessarily would be um, that, that the sports gambling element here would necessarily be a next step or maybe a step forward toward the lottery, nor, you know, kind of undercutting the idea of that of that eventuality. Right. I, I think they're really independent issues. Uh, and, uh, of course, I suppose to the extent you say as we further normalize gambling, I mean, it wasn't that long ago in American history it was considered truly a vice and illegal and a crime. Uh, as we normalize it, I suppose you can say broadly it might be a, an incremental movement towards the lottery. But I, I really think in today's Mississippi they're really kind of on separate tracks. I want to do I, – I do want to ask about – the, the the move in progressiveness toward uh, you know number one gambling in Mississippi and now number two sports gambling in Mississippi and you know you know possibly the future of a lottery in Mississippi down the road um, and and how that has played out politically but we're going to hold off on that for right now uh, you can give us a call we got two open lines the numbers one eight seven seven MPB ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four you can email the show legal terms at mpbonline.org. That's legal terms at mpbonline.org. We're talking about the future of sports gambling here in Mississippi. We've got Van, who's been patient with us on the road. Van, good morning. Good morning. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I, I, I've got a question about uh, that old deal called sports shape, uh, uh, score shaving us. You know, the, when the kid, you get a kid fifteen or twenty thousand dollars. You know. Uh, I, you know, don't make the point, uh, you know, don't make the field go. I mean, how do you stop that? How do you keep something from like that happening? Point shaving is what I'm trying to yeah. say. 
point shaving, yeah. Paying players off to throw games, essentially, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll hang up and listen. You know, that's a concern that, you know, you got a kid who's trying to make this go cool and stuff like that, and some guy comes to him, you know, if you don't catch the pass, drop it. Uh, I'll, I'll hang up and listen. And thank you for the show. I really enjoy it. Van, appreciate you calling in. Yeah, and thank you, Van, for the question. That and that's an enormous uh, uh, concern. Uh, I I chair the university's athletics committee, and I'm on the executive committee of the Southeastern Conference. So uh, the, the universities are looking at this, and there's a whole new level of threat because. Um, Historically, it's happened. It's happened a lot of times, most prominently in basketball. And if you think about it, you've only got one or two basketball players. And and, and what you usually do, you're not even you go up to a kid and you're not saying, um, hey, lose the game. You're saying the, the, the spread is you're supposed to win by 10. If you win by eight or seven or six, uh, here's ten thousand dollars, here's twenty thousand dollars. And for the kids perspective, they're still winning the game. The, uh, sports betting does open up that as a very serious concern. By the way, I mean, sports betting is going on already, so it's a concern even now. However, uh, once it's legal and normalized, once kids on campus are gambling at, at, at casinos uh, this way, I think the pressure increases uh, dramatically. So I know uh, across the SEC, schools now are, are thinking, you know, what do we have to do to monitor? The SEC a few years ago uh, investigated, I think ultimately they did not uh, uh, go with this, but they investigated a, a, a business that monitored referees, and they would look at referees and see if points came unusually. Because there was an NBA referee, Tim Donahue, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, was tipping off gamblers about games, <laughs> who who got sentenced to, to uh, 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 jail. And and once he was released, he tried to go straight by going to Vegas and opening a tip line. So. He and Pete Rose uh, both uh, uh, not trying too hard to overcome their problems. Uh, but one of the things that, that will come up that's being debated, being questioned right now, is uh, schools are asking for an integrity fee. The NCAA, the NCAA is still against gambling, but, but schools, individual schools uh, and uh, professional sports leagues are starting to say, if you're going to be betting on our games, we want a slice of the money to help us pay for the additional monitoring we're going to have to undertake to watch all this stuff. And that'll be hammered out through the legislative process on a state-by-state basis. Uh, you know, if we're going to have I, – I wish in Mississippi we would not have college sports betting. If you're going to have it, have it on pros – but I, I wish we would not have it on colleges. If you're going to have it on colleges, uh, you know, I see the the reason behind a, an integrity fee to support our colleges. They're going to have to monitor their student athletes much more closely, uh, and, and, and there's going to be expense associated with that. Well, and Ron, you know, in some ways, I mean, if you live in Florida, there's highlight. And any time you're betting on human behavior and human outcomes, people will go to those highlight games and always say, oh, yeah, you know, that person did not really try on that particular uh, point. And, and so it seems like that's really hard to regulate. It, it, well, it's going to be hard to regulate. And, and, and you've got to raise those questions about, you know, if you miss the free throw at the end of the game, there's going to be that doubt, you know, was it on purpose? And, and Which is, I, I think, terribly unfair. I think, you know, the overwhelming, you know, 99.999% of the 
the time people are trying to do their best. But the occasional one who, who doesn't, you know, famously the Chicago White Sox threw the 1919 World Series to the Cincinnati Reds. So we've had these situations where gambling money has affected performance and players have taken money not to perform well. And uh, this is going to open that up. And that's where I really wish our state legislature would say, okay, we'll allow gambling on professional sports, but let's leave college out of it. I don't think that's on the table anywhere, uh, but I wish it were. It's interesting. Uh, the, the first thing I thought of when the question was brought up uh, and, and you made your point about it was, I believe it was Tulane uh, who was given the death penalty by the NCAA, their basketball program in the mid 1980s. That's right. Uh, Tulane shut down. Yeah, because of, I believe it was point shaving, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So that's that's fairly close to home. But I, I, I don't if something like that's going to happen, I, I don't know. Whether if gambling is close by legal gambling, if that if that encourages it or not, I feel like if that was going to happen, it's going to happen anyway, uh, to to a certain extent. Let's take a quick break. We've got three callers on the line. We got to get our second break in here. Sue and Beaumont, we're going to hit you when we come back. Willard, Biloxi, and Dudley in Calhoun County, hang tight with us. This is in legal terms. I'm Jay White in for Liz Gill. We're talking about sports gaming in Mississippi and its future. If you have a question, call us 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can email us legalterms at mpbonline.org. That's legalterms at mpbonline.org. Stay tuned. This is MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jay White in for Liz Gill this morning. Hey, coming up next, it's Relatively Speaking with Dr. Susan Buttress. And today she's talking about selfies and self-esteem. Um, with the advent of selfies, the number of facial cosmetic surgeries have increased. Research shows that talking and posting selfies may not be all that bad. But she's going to be talking about selfies, self-esteem, and self-image. That's coming up next on Relatively Speaking with Dr. Susan Buttress right here on MPB Think Radio. Let's go to Sue, who's in Beaumont. Sue, thanks for hanging on with us. How are I'm doing fine. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for calling. Uh, back when gambling was legalized in Mississippi, the idea was part of the revenue was going to be taken and given to schools. I can't see that legalized gambling has done a darn thing for Mississippi except pick, people, pick people's pockets. And now you're going to legalize sports betting, which is another bad idea. It's just a way to legally pick people's pockets. I, I can't see that it's going to do any good for Mississippi. What good is it going to do? regular population out here, you know, and uh, maybe I watch too many movies, but what's going to keep what's going to keep the mob out of all this gambling and, and betting and all this stuff? I, I watched just watched Casino again for the umpteenth time, and you know, <laughs> is, is mob involved in this at all? And how would you know? Well, Sue, thank you. I mean, great question. I will say this. The regulatory systems that have been put in place in the United States and certainly in Mississippi 
go, have extensive background searches uh, to try and figure out whether there is any connection with organized crime or the mob. By the way, I like the I like Casino too. I've seen it many times. <laughs> uh, the uh, And and there are people who have been shut down because of found connections. One of the stories I always tell in my class is Frank Sinatra wanted to buy a casino uh, back in the day when he was in uh, Nevada. And he couldn't pass because there were pictures of him with too many mobsters. And, you know, he said they were just fans. And uh, but but there's there's much investigation. And I will say, I think we've been very good about keeping uh, uh, mob influence out of modern casinos. and, And it's because of the background that they look very hard at that. Now, in terms of picking pockets, uh, you know, the 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 cut that the state gets and uh, Richard mentioned this earlier from, from a lottery, you know, the lottery, the state takes roughly 35 uh, percent profit off of a lottery uh, in sports gambling. The casino will take roughly a 10 percent cut of, the, of it. Uh, their profits usually are roughly, let's say, 4 percent. And the taxes on that are, you know, a maximum 10 percent of the 4 percent. So the, the profit to the government from uh, sports betting is not going to be all that significant. Where you're going to find, I think, the best estimates I've seen, the profit for Mississippi in terms of revenue generation to the state directly in terms of tax collection anyway, will be between one and three million dollars, which is not an overwhelming amount, not nearly what uh, granted a, a lottery would bring in. Um, on, on the other hand, the, I think the thing you get from sports betting and the reason I, I favor it over a lottery, frankly, is it's sort of uh, a, a libertarian uh, idea. If people want to bet, if they're going to bet uh, of their own free will, I don't know that that should be illegal. Um, I don't really like the state promoting betting. That's my concern about the lottery. But I'm not sure the state needs to prohibit consensual uh, betting, uh, which is why we have casinos today and, and why we uh, why they they will expand into sports betting. And yeah, Ron, one thing that I think people need to realize is if you're betting illegally or illegally, your winnings are taxable. And you really do need to report them, which, of course, if it's illegal, that makes it difficult. But, uh, you know, uh, that it, that's something to consider. T- tax laws for gamblers are actually kind of tough because in most uh, hobbies or professions or you do something, you can write off your losses. Uh, so if you have losses in a given year, you, you, you deduct them. For gamblers, you can write off your losses only against your winnings. So if you have a net loss for the year, you don't get to deduct that. You've got to claim your winnings. And you, can, you can subtract losses against your winnings. But if you lost money over the course of the year, that's just money you've spent. That's not a deductible loss. Sue, thank you for the call this morning from Beaumont. Let's move along to Willard, who's in Biloxi. Willard, good morning. Good morning. What's your question? Go ahead. Uh, question about account wagering, such as like express bet and all on paramutual uh, races. Is this part of the package? Uh, paramutual betting is normally regulated in a different manner than sports betting or casino betting. Um, I know that, uh, for instance, in Nevada, the governor just this year signed a bill authorizing uh, paramutual betting on uh, video games, on, on esports. 
uh, and there's talk about moving into uh, having gambling in that area. Uh, Mississippi, I don't, I can't think of anything that we have, uh, you know, horse racing or dog racing. Uh, I, I think if we wanted to go into a paramutual uh, arena like that, it probably would have to be some additional legislation put in place. I don't think, yeah, it, you know, it, it, you know, frankly, if we've got sports betting and people want to build the track and do all this stuff, I imagine they'd get the laws done, but I, I don't think it's there right now. Okay, uh, makes sense. I know Louisiana, for example, uh, has that, but they have a track. But Nevada had uh, has sports betting in their uh, casino sports rooms. So anyway, thanks for your answer. It helps me out. Sure thing. Willard, thanks for the call from Biloxi this morning. That is interesting. I do know that you know, there are tracks in uh, Alabama and Louisiana that seem to be doing very well. And that's interesting that those are kind of kept separate. And, uh, boy, e-gaming gambling. Yeah. Man, that's that's meta. Uh, if there ever was anything, that's that's wild. It's huge right right now in South Korea and in aspects uh, certain uh, uh, other Asian nations in particular. Uh, people go t- to tournaments and and they're all betting and, and it's it's they, they they watch it and there are professionals uh, who. Uh, uh, are just like you'd be, you know, betting on, on, on I guess, horse tracks or, or dog tracks. I do know that, that that sport, if you want to call it that, has, uh, I mean, it's already made some millionaires and in the championships, they they book 18, 20,000 seat arenas and sell them out. And uh, it's it's wild. It's, uh, you know, for to watch people play video games, which I, I mean, I, I've watched my friends play video games. It's kind of fun sometimes, I guess. Maybe I should uh, try it out. I'm on a committee here at the university. We're looking at developing uh, an eSports uh, area f- just for, n- not for gambling at all, <laughs> but, but for <laughs> students who uh, want to come here and want to do that and participate in that kind of like a club sport or something. And it's, that's a growing area. Absolutely. If you can make a living at it, I mean, that's, that's something you can teach anyway. Uh, let's go to Dudley, who's been patiently waiting for us in Calhoun County. Dudley, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I think you've already answered my question. My question was, how did the state benefit and in what areas would they benefit? And I, I think you probably covered that already. Well, you know, I mean, there is the, the tax income I've talked about, which, I, again, estimates three to uh, one to three million. But there, there's also uh, uh, what was mentioned earlier uh, in terms of what I think Jay mentioned. Uh, people may come for uh, long weekends, uh, the money that may come around that people. You, you know, I, I think you might see a little bit different kind of gambler. I mean, if, if you're going to go to a casino today in Mississippi, you're going to sit at a blackjack table or at a craps table or I stand at a craps table or, or uh, be at the roulette wheel uh, and you're they're there at the casino, right? Uh, I think with sports betting, there there are sports books where you can sit and watch the game, but I think you're going to see a lot of people who will come in, place their bets uh, early in the evening and go out and maybe go to a restaurant, go to the beach, go to uh, different events in the area. It may be a type of betting that will be more beneficial to the surrounding area uh, than table games have been. 
Dudley, thank you for the call this morning. We really, really appreciate it. We're going to take our last break here and uh, uh, going to hit you with some rapid fire questions, uh, guys, when we come back. Uh, some, some interesting thoughts that, that we haven't been able to get to because we've had a lot of great callers this morning. Uh, but I do want to hit you with some questions about the, the, the inner workings and how this is all going to play out. We're talking about uh, sports gaming and Mississippi uh, gambling, sports gambling and its future here in the state of Mississippi. We do have some lines open if you want to call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 You can email us legalterms at mpbonline.org. This is In Legal Terms. I'm Jay White in for Liz Gill. We'll be back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jay White in for Liz Gill this morning. Stay tuned. Coming up next at 11, about eight minutes from now, relatively speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress, selfies and self-esteem. That's going to be interesting, and I'm sure a lot of people uh, have an opinion about that, uh, especially if you have a Facebook or Instagram or the like. All right. Uh, let me ask you guys uh, about – I know the NCAA – has been concerned about whether or not there's going to be state-by-state regulation of, um, of of sports gaming or if there's going to be federal regulation. Uh, and, and I know uh, Utah Senator Orrin Hatch, uh, who was adamantly against uh, sports gambling becoming legalized, has now kind of shifted gears, and now he is he is pushing heavily federal regulation on this. What's your thought about that and how that may play out? Well, I think in light of this uh, this recent case, the the, the uh, it went through the courts as Christie versus NCAA, but then uh, it, it joined with another case and it really came out as Murphy versus NCAA uh, from the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court seems to say that the federal government does not have a role in telling states what they can do in terms of gambling. Um, and, and, and that's a, a matter for the states. The Tenth Amendment says that's that's not something for federal control. Um, so I think it's going to be state by state. I think the only way it was going to be federal is if this case went the other way. All right. So let me ask you, uh, the, the, the Southeastern Conference, for example, uh, would they have an opportunity or do you think they would work toward making some sort of blanket regulations within the, the league's footprint? Well, I mean, they might they might try, but it's going to be a state by state thing. And now, the, the SEC had some some sway both in Mississippi and Arkansas in the gun ban things and trying to keep guns out of stadiums. So there there is some weight that comes with Commissioner Sankey and the SEC. Uh, but you know, it, it, it's 
and, and there will be regulations that apply on campuses and the states. And I guarantee the NCAA is going to maintain the rule that student athletes are not permitted to wager and coaches and anybody who works in this field, including me. I, you know, I won't be able to to, to wager uh, because of my position I hold on, on campus here. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know that they're going to be able to control the uh, the, the state legislatures across the uh, these states. I know in uh, in England, uh, a huge deal now is being able to like micro wager uh, in stadium on apps on your phone live during games uh, like, uh, you know, different props, prop bets that are happening and constantly evolving during live games. Uh, do you think that that could be a part of the future of sports gaming in Mississippi or the United States in general? Or is it going to stay specific specifically to sports books on casino? No sites. No, that that's going to come. It's going to come. It's going to be on the phones, and it's going to be micro betting, and you're going to be watching. Uh, yeah, I was actually talking to somebody the other day because baseball has expanded the netting, uh, both in colleges and pros. There's a lot more netting than there used to be to keep foul balls from hitting fans, and one of the reasons is people are looking at their phones so much already, and they're, they're going to be looking at phones even more because it's you're going to be able to bet whether there's a pass on the next play or a running play or or uh, whether they make a first down or the next batter's going to get a hit um, that's the way things are heading I don't think that's good uh, but uh, I, I think uh, the direction all indications are, are pointing in that way all right uh, of course in the past there have been you know gambling rings at universities on campuses and things like that uh, and i know this has to be something that you know you and the people that you work with are, are even before this you know had to have at least some sort of concern on because you know, when people are that age of course some of them are not going to be able to contain themselves and get themselves in a bunch of trouble are you worried that this may magnify that on on campuses in mississippi absolutely uh the ncaa has a program don't bet on it uh, where they encourage student athletes not to get into betting there was a problem about 10 years ago baseball players had the the, 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 yeah. There was a culture of, of poker that led to betting, that and, and, and that and baseball was one of our big gambling problems. They attacked that. They went after that, and and it's no longer baseball doesn't stick out anymore as a gambling sport. Golf is still there. That's part of the culture of the game of golf. Uh, but uh, it's uh, it's going to be a concern, and that's why the schools. Uh, I know I've talked to uh, uh, athletic director Ross Bjork. Uh, schools are considering asking for an integrity fee, some money to help them engage in the closer monitoring that will be required. Oh, we got about a minute and a half left here, and let me ask you about the schools uh, and and the, the the conferences. I guess maybe even the NCAA. I know they want to tread lightly here, uh, and I know there's there's a lot of uh, legal netting uh, that they don't want to get caught up in. But they do have to see the 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 monetary advantage of this being a thing, and they certainly want to capitalize on it. How do you think they're going to go about that? Well, and, and see, that's really the, the the big question here, and it is this request for an integrity fee. It's not at all clear that they will get it. Uh, it will come down a state by state as states vote to create their sports betting bills, and some will not have it. 
others will have it and 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 they'll, they'll, it'll, it'll unfold differently that that's really the result of this recent supreme court case is that it'll be state by state uh i think uh, in mississippi for instance i think the universities will ask for one percent uh, fee i don't know if they'll get it uh but you know i don't think the pros will get it so i'm not sure they'll get the money that they're hoping for there will be tie-in deals available though and sponsorships and stuff like that all right. Hey, thank you so much for uh, all this information uh, this morning, Mr. Uh, Ronald Reschlock. Did I say it right that time? I wouldn't bet on it, but close enough. <laughs> <laughs> and Professor Gershon, thank you as always, and uh, a great, great conversation. If you want to listen to the show again, you can go to mpbonline.org and find the In Legal Terms page there. You can also sign up for the podcast and listen to audio on demand of all the shows. Our producer engineer today was Java Chapman. Our call screener, Michelle McAdoo. I'm Jay White, and for Liz Gill, she'll be back next week. This is In Legal Terms on Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.